they've been married for 30 years. He's a pioneer of Catholic lay evangelization, and she has a master's degree in theology. Put on the coffee and get ready to open the scriptures. It's time for Bible with the Barbers. Now, here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Welcome. Welcome to Bible with the Barbers on this Friday, June the 30th, 2023. We're making this uh, recording actually early, so this is a pre-recorded show. But um, I just, we're, we, we start, uh, the Bible with the Barbers airs on 12 o'clock on Friday, so we'll go ahead and pray the Angelus. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. The angel of the Lord declared unto Mary, and she conceived by the Holy Spirit. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death, amen. Behold the handmaid of the Lord. Be it done to me according to thy word. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Pray for us, O Most Holy Mother of God, that we may be made worthy of the promises of Christ. Let us pray, pour forth, we beseech you, O Lord, thy grace into our hearts, that we, to whom the incarnation of Christ thy Son was made known by the message of an angel, may by his passion and cross be brought to the glory of his resurrection through the same Christ, our Lord. Amen. Come, O Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of the faithful and enkindle in them the fire of thy love. Send forth thy spirit, and they shall be created, and thou shalt renew the face of the earth. O God, who by the light of the Holy Spirit did instruct the hearts of the faithful, grant that in the same spirit that we may be truly wise and ever rejoice in his consolation. Through Christ our Lord, amen. And we ask the angels to join us here and give us light. Sanctus, Sanctus, Sanctus Dominus Deus Sabaoth, Pleni Sun et Terra, Gloria Tua, Hosanna in Excelsis, Benedictus qui venit in nomine Domini, Hosanna in Excelsis. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. Well, this is Friday, June 30th, um, and yesterday, Thursday, was June 29th, the Solemnity of Saints Peter and Paul. The church celebrates Saints Peter and Paul on the same day as a solemnity. And so I want to look at the readings from that solemnity, particularly the readings for the day. We'll start with the Acts of the Apostles, Acts 12, 1 through 11. In those days, King Herod laid hands on some members of the church to harm them. He had James, the brother of John, killed by sword. And when he saw that this pleased the Jews, he proceeded to arrest Peter also. It was the Feast of Unleavened Bread. He had taken him into custody and put him in prison under the guard of four squads of soldiers. Excuse me, four, four squads of four soldiers each. He intended to bring him before the people after Passover. Peter thus was being kept in prison. But prayer by the church was fervently made to God on his behalf. 
On the very night before Herod was to bring him to trial, Peter, secured by double chains, was sleeping between two soldiers, while outside the door guards kept watch on the prison. Suddenly the angel of the Lord stood by him, and a light shone in the cell. He tapped Peter on the side and awakened him, saying, Get up quickly. The chains fell from his wrists. The angel said to him, Put on your belt and your sandals. He did so. Then he said to him, Put on your cloak and follow me. So he followed him out, not realizing that what was happening through the angel was real. He thought he was seeing a vision. They passed the first guard, the second, and came to the iron gate leading to the city, which opened for them by itself. They emerged and made their way down an alley, and suddenly the angel left him. Then Peter recovered his senses and said, Now I know for certain that the Lord sent his angel and rescued me from the hands of Herod and from all the Jewish people had been expecting the word of the Lord. So we want to look at that reading. Here it is. Peter is put in prison, and Herod did this because he has put James, the brother of John, to death. And the Jews were very pleased by that, and Herod's trying to make brownie points with the Jews. And um, so he arrests Peter, but it's the Feast of Unleavened Bread, so he has to wait. Interesting, he puts him uh, four squads of four soldiers each. So there were four shifts and four soldiers. They took their turns standing guard for Peter throughout the night. Interesting. And this is, this is maximum security, right? And then they've got him chained. So what are they afraid of? Peter is unarmed. He's, he doesn't have an army. Um, interesting, the response, right, of, of the enemies of the church to, to the early Christians. They, they take the utmost precautions. Maybe it's perhaps because they've heard stories of, of when they start messing with these people, strange things happen, supernatural things like angels intervening. Yes, angels can intervene. God really can stop evil from happening, and he can deliver us from evil. But remember that petition in the Our Father, deliver us from evil, is a petition to be delivered from a specific evil, the evil one, the enemy of all men, the devil. But we want to look at how God does deliver us from evil. And what do we have here? Peter is arrested. He's put in chains. He's guarded. They've already put James, the brother of John, to death. So it pleased the Jews. So the the plan is Peter's going to be put to death too. But God said, well, no, it's not time. And in the meantime, how does the church respond? But prayer by the church was fervently being made to God on his behalf. Earnest prayer. The early believers fought the battles of persecution on their knees. It is here implied that Peter's upcoming rescue is God's answer to the intercessory prayer of the church. The church is praying fervently for him, for the Lord to protect him and release him, if that is God's holy will. They know that martyrdom is a possibility for all of them. They realize that. Jesus said, if they loved me, they will love you. But if they hated me, they will hate you. And if they put me to death, they're going to do the same to you. So be prepared. So they are preparing for this. But this whole reality of intercessory prayer, and in the Catechism of the Catholic Church, Numbers numbers 2634 through 2636, it talks about prayer of intercession. 
Intercession is a prayer of petition, which leads us to pray as Jesus did. He is the one intercessor with the Father on behalf of all men, especially sinners. And they have Romans 8, 34, 1 John 21, 1 Timothy 2, 5 through 8. So yes, Jesus is the one intercessor, especially for sinners. He is able for all time to save those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession from the, for them. He always lives. That Jesus is in all eternity making intercession for us. Hebrews 7, 25. The Holy Spirit himself intercedes for us and intercedes for sinners according to the will of God. Romans 8, 26 through 27. But since Abraham intercession asking on behalf of another has been a characteristic of a heart attuned to God's mercy. Remember, Abraham interceded for Sodom and Gomorrah. He asked God to spare them. And he even bargained with God. What if you only find 10 good people there? All right, I'll spare it for the 10. He starts with 50 and he goes all the way down to 10. He's making intercession. He's making intercession. In the age of the church, Christian intercession participates in Christ as an expression of the communion of saints. In intercession, he who prays looks not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others, even to the point of praying for those who do him harm. Philippians 2, 4, and look at Acts 7, 60, and Luke 23, 28, and verse 34. The first Christian communities lived this form of fellowship intensely. This example here in Acts 12, 5, again in Acts 20, 36, Acts 21, 5, and in 2 Corinthians 9, 14. This intercessory prayer, praying for those in need, praying especially for the church. Thus, the Apostle Paul gives them a share in his ministry of preaching the gospel. Look at Ephesians 6, 18 through 20, Colossians 4, 3 through 4, and 1 Thessalonians 5, 25. But also intercession for them. Paul allows people to participate in his, priestly, in his preaching ministry by their support of him, by their making sacrifices, by their giving him a place to stay. And also he prays for them. In, uh, look at 2 Thessalonians 1, 11, Colossians 1, 3, and Philippians 1, 3, and 4. The intercession of Christians recognizes no boundaries for all men, for kings, all who are in high positions, for persecutors, for the salvation of those who reject the gospel. Look at 1 Timothy 2, 1 and compare Romans 12, 14 and Romans 10, 1. So our intercessory prayer doesn't just stop with praying for those who are our friends or in the church, but especially in the church. Do we pray for our current bishops and Holy Father the way the early church was praying for Peter then? They were making fervent prayer for him. Or do we spend our time being distracted? Television, radio, entertainment, all of these can become distractions. And there's the music. We have to take a break. I always have such a great time studying the Bible with you, and I hope you do too. Please share this with your family and friends. Let them know that we have a Bible study on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. So share that app with everybody. Also share our website and let them know we're on Twitter and Rumble and Facebook and all the media platforms. Thank you for joining us. I'll be right back. Don't go away.
Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Thank you. Thank you for joining us on Bible with the Barbers on this Friday, June 30th. Um, you can't call in on this show. It's not a live show. We're, we are pre-recording this show. And so um, today is actually June 29th. So we're talking about Peter and Paul and God delivering us from evil. And how does he do that? And what is the evil he's delivering us from first and foremost? But we're looking at Peter's um, arrest by Herod in, in Acts 12, because that's used for the for the feast day of Saints Peter and Paul on June 29th. So this is actually Peter's third imprisonment. He was imprisoned in Acts 4.3 and in Acts 5.18 before this. Now it's interesting because in Acts 5.18 and Acts 12.7 here, Peter is delivered by an angel. He's, the angel gets him out of prison. This particular imprisonment, though, in Acts 12, takes place at the time of the Passover. So the deliverance of Peter during Passover, is, it evokes memories of Israel being delivered from Egypt. Like Israel, Peter is brought out of bondage, Acts 12, 17, and compared with Exodus 12, 51. He's rescued from the hand of his enemies, Acts 12, 11, compared to Exodus 3, 8. On Passover night, Acts 12, 4, and Exodus 12, 11 through 12, by the angel of the Lord, Acts 12, 7, and Exodus um, 14, 19. After dressing himself and putting sandals on his feet, Acts 12, 8, and Exodus 12, 11. And Peter himself, the church is praying for fervently for him. And when the angel awakes him, he thinks he's just seeing a vision. The angel actually has to give him the directions, you know, put on your sandals, put on your cloak. Okay, follow me. And then when they go out, he's still, angel, Peter still thinks he's seeing a vision and he doesn't realize it until the angel leaves him. And he's outside the prison and he's in the city streets and he's like, wait a minute. Yes, God has sent his angel to deliver me. This is the second time the angel of the Lord has come to deliver Peter from prison. But the church is praying fervently for him. And I was saying just before the break, do we pray fervently for our Holy Father, for the bishops, for our priests, our pastors? Are we praying fervently for one another? that we will be able to have the courage and the, and the um, perseverance to stand against a world that is turned away from God. We are called to follow God unreservedly. We are called to give our entire self to him without reserve. We are called to a supernatural end. We're called to leave behind all the natural finalities of our body that we don't we don't beat the body up. We don't say it's bad or evil. We acknowledge the goodness of our body, but we also acknowledge that not only our souls, but our bodies are made for union with God. And we're called to union with God. And we're called to a supernatural finality. We're called to live with God in heaven for all eternity. So we don't have a finality here on this earth. We're not looking for lasting happiness in this passing world because we won't find lasting happiness in this passing world. It's one of the problems in our age. People are looking for happiness in all the wrong places. They're looking for union in all the wrong places. As a matter of fact, we're called to live in union with God. And if we live that union with God, we find that we will have the courage to resist other forms of union that are sinful and even naturally good forms of union that might interfere with our union with God. We're called 
to live a holy life, a supernatural life, a life that looks like Christ, that we become a living image of Christ in this world. And so this is what the, the apostles have done. Peter has left everything to follow the Lord. It's now Acts 12. They're already preaching the gospel. They're suffering persecution. They're, um, all of what Jesus had promised them has come. They know the joy of doing the will of the Lord, and they also know the suffering that that can bring. So when we think that deliver us from evil means we'll deliver us from all suffering and all um, sickness and death or um, give us all the wealth we need or all the material goods we need, we're looking in the wrong place for our happiness and our fulfillment. The things of this earth can never satisfy us. We aren't made for union with natural things. We're made for eternal union with God. Now, I'm not denigrating Christian marriage, and I'm not denigrating natural marriage that is faithful. Marriage was made by God between man and woman, between one man and one woman for the purpose of union and procreation and to be an image of two realities. The reality of God himself in his inner life. God is not a solitude. He's a trinity of persons. In the beginning, he says, let us make man in our image. God is three, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He is a trinity of persons. We know that God is a father because his son has revealed him. And the son also revealed the Holy Spirit to us. And the father and the son send their spirit. God was perfect unto himself. He didn't need anyone or anything. But he wanted to share his eternal happiness with someone. So he created man and he created the angels to serve man. And the angels also, those who were faithful, the angels get to share with him in heaven. Those that the angels that he created that were unfaithful, we call demons now because they rebelled against God and they're in hell for all eternity. So God sent his angel to deliver Peter from prison. And the beautiful Psalm that they use for the feast is Psalm 134. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall be ever in my mouth. Let my soul glory in the Lord. The lowly will hear me and be glad. Glorify the Lord with me. Let us together extol his name. I sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. Look to him that you may be radiant with joy and your faces not blush with shame. When the poor one called out, the Lord heard him, and from all his distress he saved him. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. Taste and see how good the Lord is. Blessed the man who takes refuge in him. So how are we going to find this happiness, this deliverance from evil? I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall be ever in my, my mouth. One of our problems in our day and age is we spend way too much time on the computer, on the internet, on the phones, on with used to be television, and there still is some form of television, movies, entertainments. We're, we're being distracted to the point of death, to the point where we're not really living life. We're not living. We're not engaging in the present moment and doing our duty. We're distracted from doing our duty, the duties of our state in life husbands and wives, to love one another and to serve one another and then to serve their children and take care of them. 
You know, putting your child in front of a television for three hours in the morning to watch cartoons is not taking care of them. As a matter of fact, it's extremely detrimental. Putting, giving your child, even at mass, and I see this sometimes, people bring little computer games or phones to the mass and they let their children play on them. No, if you're going to do that, there are catechism lessons on the phone. Let your children see the catechism lessons. Let them engage with catechism lesson if you're going to do that. Otherwise, don't. Don't bring the phone into church. Shut it off. Bring in a coloring book, a, a religious coloring book. Mass is sacred, and the children can participate by being there. Their angels can help them. You don't have to go, you know, you don't have to have long, long prayers for little children. Little short prayers. Teach them little short ejaculatory prayers. Teach them to, to talk to their angel. Teach them to talk to Jesus as a friend. Don't give them a computer or a video game to play. Children need time. They need love and affection from other human beings. Not the computer and all this technology we have, the artificial intelligence, the, it doesn't substitute for the personal interaction that we need. We were made to be in communion with one another. The Trinity Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, God, existed from all eternity, and he was perfect in himself. And there was no television, there was no computer, there were no, new, there were no technologies. And for thousands and thousands of years, people lived with all the out, without all this modern technology. But they interacted with one another. They were in communion with one another. Now, granted, it's not always perfect. We have sin, right? We, we live in a world that is, is marred by sin and we're damaged. God made us a certain way and we're not that way anymore. So we tend towards sin. We tend to turn away from God, but we need to turn back to him and we need to beg him to deliver the church in this time from falling into the errors of this time. You see, the sacred deposit of faith is really a sacred deposit of faith. It's really there. The deposit of faith is the revelation of God, the revelation of God in his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, his life is a revelation. The scriptures, the sacred word of God, and the living tradition of the church, which, which is most especially lived out and expressed in the sacred liturgy. So this is the sacred deposit of faith. And if you want to know it, study the church teachings. Study what the church has always taught. The church's teachings aren't suddenly going to change because it's the 21st century and now we have Twitter and Rumble and Facebook and Tweet and um, I don't know what, what all is out there, TikTok and, and computer phones and phones that walk around with us and cars that can drive themselves and we're monitored by computers and everybody can know where we are and what we're doing. And, but you know what? God knew all that without the technology. And even that... You see how strongly they guarded Peter when he was in prison? Four squads of four soldiers each, and they chained him to, just to be safe? Why? Because the angel of the Lord comes in, and psh, all of that stuff is, doesn't mean anything. The angel of the Lord takes Peter and walks him right out of the prison, and nobody can stop him. They don't even see it. He's hidden from them. Just like in the Old Testament, when the prophet Elijah is warning the king of, was it, I think it was Elijah, was warning the king of Israel. There was a king that was making war on Israel, and Elijah kept 
God kept revealing to Elijah what the, the king was going to do. And so he kept telling the king of Israel and Israel knew all his moves. And the king, king went to his inner council. And he said, somebody betrayed me, somebody in here. And they said, no, there's a prophet in Israel. Well, who is he? And so they went to Dotham to, to get the prophet. And the, the prophet's servant comes out one morning and he sees all these, this army coming against him. He's like, father, we're lost. And, and the prophet says to God, he says, God, open his eyes and show him. And on the hill around the prophet, behind the prophet, are all the angels <laughs> arrayed in battle, set, you know, battle, battle formation, and set in battle array. And um, he blinds the enemy. The angels blind the enemy. And so then the prophet leads the enemy to the king of Israel. And the king of Israel says, what do I do? Put them all to death? He said, no, prepare a banquet for them and serve them and, and be friendly to them. So he does. And then the, the, the angel opens the eyes of the enemy and he sees that he's already, they're already in the, they're there in, in the king's court and they could be, and the king says, no, you're going to have, we're going to serve you a meal. And so they do and they send him home. You know what? That made peace between the two countries. God prevented the evil of war from happening because the prophet was faithful. Examples, examples here, even in the Old Testament, how God is working. And all of that is showing us and preparing us for the coming of Christ who is the fullness of the revelation of the Father. Don't go away. We will be back with more on Bible with the Barbers. Please share this with your family, friends, church members, work, co-workers, relatives. Join us on Bible with the Barbers on Church of Most Powerful Radio. We'll be right back with more. Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, Call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Welcome, welcome back to Bible with the Barbers on this Friday, June the 30th. And Terry's not in the studio with me. Um, here we are, and we're talking about deliver us from evil. And we're asking, um, we do ask the Lord in the, in the Our Father when we pray that petition. That petition is a specific evil that we are being at we are asking the lord to deliver us from the evil one the enemy of all men satan the devil okay but we also ask the lord to deliver us from harm that others wish to do to us and we, we're looking at examples here uh because the feast of saint peter and paul was june 29th which was yesterday we're looking at the example of Saints Peter and Paul. And Peter, we, we talked about his imprisonment, how many times he was imprisoned, uh, twice, three times in prison, twice delivered by angels um, before his final martyrdom. But, and, and so, and then we have Paul. And Paul, of course, if you read Corinthians, I believe it's 2 Corinthians, and he goes through the list of how much he has suffered for Christ and for the gospel. But we have here, for the feast of Saint Peter and Paul, we have second, his second letter to Timothy. And he says, I, Paul, am already being poured out like a libation, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have completed well. I have competed. I have competed well. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. From now on, a crown of righteousness awaits me, which the Lord, the just judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but to all who have longed for his appearance. The Lord stood by me and gave me strength. So that through me, the proclamation might be completed and all the Gentiles might hear it. And I have, and I was rescued from the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from every evil threat and will bring me safe to his heavenly kingdom. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. So what is Paul saying here? Well, <clears throat> he says, I, the, the, I'm at the point of being 
sacrificed. I'm, I'm being poured out like a libation. He's in prison. This is under Nero. And he's waiting for his trial and eventually his execution. And he's welcoming the martyrdom. Remember, Paul wasn't afraid of martyrdom. At one point, Paul had, say, had said, <clears throat> I long to be away from the body and with Christ. But to remain means productive toil for you, and I do not know which to prefer. So basically, he said, I leave it in God's hands. I will stay as long as the Lord wants. So we have um, this imagery. Paul sees martyrdom as an act of sacrifice and liturgical worship. See Philippians 2, 17. And his departure is a metaphor for his death, which in Paul, it's, it's imminent and desirable. Paul wants to die. He wants to go out to home and be at home with the Lord. Philippians 1, 23. According to tradition, Paul was condemned during Nero's persecution that began in the mid-60s and was beheaded just outside of Rome. Remember, Paul was a Roman citizen. Jesus didn't change Saul of Tarsus' name to Paul. Paul was a Roman citizen. Saul was his Jewish name. Paul was his Roman name. He had Saul Paul. He, was, he had two names. Jesus didn't change his name. Jesus converted him. And Peter and Paul's feast is celebrated together because Peter was made the head of the church. He was first to preach to the Jews. He was to preach to the Jews. And Paul was converted as he's persecuting the early church. He's converted in order to be sent to the Gentiles. Now, even before Paul is sent to the Gentiles, Peter is already Cornelius's house. Peter is sent by God to Cornelius's house to baptize the first Gentiles. But Paul is he, he's pouring out his life as a libation. And the thing is here, you think, okay, well, when we pray, we want to be delivered. Usually when we pray, to be de- we're, we're, we're praying, deliver us from evil. Okay, I don't want to be sick, Lord. I don't want to be poor. I don't want to suffer. I don't want to die. And, and it's like, um, well, is that what it means? Here, Paul is preparing for martyrdom. I'm being poured out like a libation. The time of my departure is at hand. He's looking forward to the moment when he can be free from all the concerns of this world to be at home with the Lord. And he's giving glory to God. The Lord will rescue me from every threat. Now, already Paul has been imprisoned several times. He's been in danger from false brethren. He's been in danger from the Gentiles. He's been in danger from the Jews. He's been shipwrecked. He's been on the ocean a night and a day. He's been, uh, what was he, beaten 40, uh, five times, was beaten 40 lashes less one at the hands of the Jews. He was beaten with rods three times. He was stoned and left for dead. You know, he has suffered all through his spreading of the gospel, all through his priestly bishopric ministry. He's suffered. And yet all of this is a joy for Paul. He, he's suffering like Christ. For the sake of the church, I fill up in my own flesh what is lacking in the sufferings of Christ. For the sake of his body, the church, Paul desires martyrdom. Are we praying for martyrdom? Are we praying for the grace to be able to persevere in our faith, even in the midst of suffering? You know, Joan of Arc, Joan of Arc, God raised up Joan of Arc in the 1400s to deliver France from the dominion of England. And I always wondered, why on earth did God raise up Joan of Arc? So I looked up her dates. Well, God knew that in the 1500s, England, which seemed to be such a solid and faithful daughter of the church, would leave the church. Henry VIII would break away and make his own church. 
And so God delivered France from the dominion of England in the 1400s by this little hand of this little peasant girl. And when Joan was finally betrayed and put in prison and delivered over to the two men who were willing to put her to death because they wanted to get rid of her, and they tried to prove she was a heretic and they couldn't do it. So she had, um, she had a, I don't know if it was actually a vision, but she was, she was told, tomorrow you will be free. And she thought, tomorrow they're going to let me go home to the farm, to my family. Well, tomorrow was the day that she was martyred. She was burned at the stake. And she went to heaven. She was freed. She was freed from all of her earthly sufferings. And she was brought into complete union with God so that she could praise his glory for all eternity and glorify him with, um, how do you say that? With both hands free. (laughs) St. Maximin Colby had this, while I'm in this world, I have to hold Blessed Mother's hand with one of my hands and then I can serve people with the other one. In heaven, I'll have both hands free to serve. So we're always reaching one hand up to heaven for the Lord to to sustain us and keep us faithful while we're in this world. While we're living in this passing world, we're not looking for lasting happiness. We're looking for communion with the Lord. That's what we're looking for, union with God. To become like Christ, to be as Paul said, I live now, not I, but Christ lives in me. And so that's our calling our calling, we're all called to live a holy life and to promote the growth of the church and her continual sanctification. And that sanctification begins with the individual sanctification of each member of the church. That begins with each one of us surrendering ourselves to God and saying, yes, I will be an instrument for the glory of your name, for the coming of your kingdom that your will be done. I will let you use me in whatever way you say fit in order to spread the good news that you have come to save us from sin, from the dominion of sin. So all through his sufferings, Paul, the Lord stood by Paul. And Paul was not delivered over till death until his mission was finished, just like Jesus Christ. And Jesus surrendered himself to death. Jesus said it. He said, no one takes my life from me. I lay it down freely. No one takes my life from me. I lay it down freely. Peter was told by Jesus, Peter, when you were young, you tied your belt around your waist and you went about as you will. But when you get older, someone will tie a belt around your waist and they'll lead you where you do not want to go. And Jesus was prophesying to Peter what sort of a death he would die. And he would die crucified in Rome. And and the, the, the legend is that when Peter was in prison, he tried to escape. He was leaving Rome. And as he's leaving along the Appian Way, He meets Jesus walking toward Rome and he said, Lord, where are you going? And he said, I'm going to Rome to be crucified again. And Peter recognized that he was trying to escape his martyrdom and he goes back and he allows himself to be crucified. But that's the victory. That's the victory over our flesh. When we give ourselves totally to Christ and allow Christ to use us, that doesn't mean we're all going to die blood martyrs. We had a, um, we had, um, Monsignor Harris spoke this week about Cardinal Menzensi, who was put in prison under the communists. He was the cardinal primate of, of Hungary. When the communists took over, he, wasn't, he, was, he was imprisoned. And then um, he was years and years in prison. Finally, he was exiled. They exiled him, and um, he suffered much. He didn't suffer blood martyrdom. He never was, but he lived his martyrdom, just like our Blessed Mother at the foot of the cross. 
She never suffered blood martyrdom, but she gained the martyr's crown for the cross. John the Apostle, they tried to martyr him. They boiled him in oil. He died of old age on the island of Patmos because he had suffered his martyrdom with Our Lady at the foot of the cross. He was with Christ at his crucifixion. Faithful to Christ. If we're faithful to the duties of our state in life and remain faithful until the end, the grace of final perseverance is not something we can merit. We pray for it every day. Lord, let us persevere in the faith. Grant us the grace of final perseverance that your name may be glorified, that your kingdom would come, that your will be done. We should pray this every day, constantly desiring the will of God to be done in our life and the lives of those around us. And we should be praying for the leaders of our church. We should be sacrificing for them. I mentioned this at the beginning when Peter was in prison in Acts 12, it's, which was the first reading I looked at today, the first scripture passage. It talks about the church offering fervent prayer for Peter, constant fervent prayer. The people were on their knees praying. We're too busy, we say. I can't pray. I'm too busy. Well, what are you doing? How many hours are you watching TV or listening to music on the computer or on your phone or however you listen to your music? Are they wasted hours? Are we just wasting time? When I was young, I didn't understand how much watching TV was just a waste of time. Now, yeah, it's okay to have a little recreation once in a while, but to watch an hour or two of TV every single day, and some people watch even more, and now it's computer, you put it on the computer, it's like, well, I'm not watching TV anymore, we have computers, yeah, (laughs) I've got my phone, I'm watching on my phone. Well, you know, excuse me, we should be spending time in prayer. We have more free time now than any other time, any other society in the world. How much time are we giving to God? God gave us everything. We should be giving everything back to God. Don't go away. We'll be back on, with more on Bible with the Barbers. Thank you for joining us on Virgin Most Calvary. Now back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Thank you again for joining us on Bible with the Barbers on this Friday, June the 30th, 2023. We're coming to the end of this program for today. I want you to make sure you share this with everyone. I want to thank all of our benefactors, all of those who help us financially, who help us with their prayers and their sacrifices, those who volunteer to help us, our own staff who work here, our technical support team. Um, I also want to thank all the radio stations that pick us up and the social media platforms that allow us to broadcast on them. Thank you. And, and remember, there's, there's the YouTube channel, A Full Sheen Ahead. Please visit that. And um, we're talking today about deliver us from evil. And what is the evil? And of course, the evil that God, we want God to deliver us from, first and foremost, is the evil one, the devil, the enemy of all men. And we also want him to deliver us from sin. And we're talking about Peter and Paul and martyrdom and, um, you know, this, this idea that we have that de- being delivered from evil means never having to suffer, never having to be poor, never having to be, you know, all of these, these earthly things. And yet we have an, a supernatural finality. So I want to close out here today, if I can, with some, some numbers from... The Catechism of the Catholic Church to bear witness to the truth, numbers 2471 through 2474. And I want to look at these really briefly. We only have a few minutes. 
But again, I want to make sure I thank everyone and um, ask you to share this. Please share the app with everyone that you know. Please share our our um, website, virginmostpowerfulradio.org, with everyone you know. Please you know, share Rumble and Twitter and Facebook and and the Bishop Sheen, uh, Full Sheen Ahead YouTube channel. Share that with everyone, please. So before Pilate proclaims, before Pilate, Christ proclaims that he has come into the world to bear witness to the truth. <clears throat> Remember that in um, John 18, 37. The Christian is not to be ashamed. The Christian is not to be ashamed then to testify to our Lord. Remember, we're not supposed to be ashamed to testify before Christ, to Christ. 1 John 1, 6. Wait a second, I'm sorry, doing the wrong one there. That's 2 Timothy 1.8. 2 Timothy 1.8. We shouldn't be ashamed of bearing witness to Christ. We're Christians. Don't be ashamed to bear witness to Christ. In situations that require witness to the faith, the Christian must profess it without equivocation. After the example of St. Paul before his judges, we must keep a clear conscience towards God and toward men. Acts 24.16. The duty of Christians to take part in the life of the church impels them to act as witnesses of the gospel and of the obligations that flow from it. This witness is a transmission of the faith in words and deeds. Witness is an act of justice that establishes the truth or makes it known. Compare Matthew eighteen sixteen. All Christians, by the example of their lives and the witness of their words, wherever they live, have an obligation to manifest the new man, Christ, brought to full stature, which they have put on in baptism and to reveal the power of the Holy Spirit by whom they were strengthened in confirmation. We're supposed to be strong. We're supposed to reveal Christ to the world. Martyrdom is the supreme witness given to the truth of the faith. It means bearing witness even unto death. The martyr bears witness to Christ who died and rose, to whom he is united by charity. It bears witness to Christ, and we're supposed to be united to Christ by charity. We are in baptism. We receive the supernatural theological virtue of charity. He bears witness to the truth of the faith and of Christian doctrine. He endures death through an act of fortitude. Let me become the food of beasts through whom it will be given me to reach God. That was Ignatius of Antioch, his letter to the Romans. Uh, he said, let me be ground by the, by the teeth of the beast to become the pure bread of Christ. The church has painstakingly collected the records of those who persevered to the end, witnessing to their faith. These are the acts of the martyrs. The form they form, the archives of truth written in letters of blood. So we have quotes here from two martyrs. One was St. Ignatius of Antioch and the other is from the martyrum of Polycarp. Neither the pleasures of the world nor the kingdoms of this age will be of any use to me. It is better for me to die in order to unite myself to Christ Jesus than to reign over the ends of the earth. I seek him who died for us. I desire him who rose for us. My birth is approaching. 
Ignatius of Antioch. He's talking about his birth into eternal life. Perfect union with God in heaven for all eternity. This is what we were made for. We weren't made for mediocrity. We weren't made to to have a lasting happiness in this passing world. We're made for union with God for all eternity. I bless you for having judged me worthy from this day and this hour to be counted among your martyrs. You have kept your promise, God of faithfulness and truth. For this reason and for everything, I praise you, I bless you, I glorify you through the eternal and heavenly high priest, Jesus Christ, your beloved son, through him who is with you and the Holy Spirit, May glory be given to you now and in the ages to come. Amen. That's from the martyrdom of Polycarp. So the saints have shown us, and how many saints? That doesn't mean that every saint of the church has died a blood martyr for Christ. And no, they haven't. There are many saints who live their martyrdom day by day. St. John the Apostle never shed his blood for Christ, um, interestingly. They did try and boil him in order. Oh, oil, excuse me. They tried to martyr him. <laughs> he didn't die. Christ said no. Now, Peter and Paul and all the other apostles died as martyrs, and many of the early saints of the church died as martyrs. But the Blessed Mother didn't die as a martyr, and many, many saints throughout the ages didn't die as martyrs. That doesn't mean there are any less saints, okay? We are called to live this life of union with God. We are called to that living witness. We're called to witness to Christ day by day, moment by moment, every day, day in and day out, by fidelity to the duties of our state and life. And in particular, by fidelity, part of the duties of our state and life is to be faithful to the gospel and to be faithful to the truths of the faith that have been given to us, to be faithful to the sacred deposit of faith and not compromise it. We are here not to invent a new gospel, not to create a new church. We are here to live the gospel that Jesus Christ himself revealed. Jesus Christ is the full revelation. He is the revelation in flesh of the Father, the fullness of the Father. And and the scriptures are his written word. Just as Christ became flesh, the second person of the Blessed Trinity became man, really became man, so too God really put his holy word in the words of men, so he could communicate with man. Yes, God condescends to us. He reaches down to us. He's a father, fathering his children. He, he adapts himself to our mode in order to be able to communicate with us. And he wants us to know that, you know, he didn't come, Jesus didn't come to eradicate human suffering. Look at the crucifix that's hanging on the wall behind me. And have this crucifix, hang, crucifix hanging in your home and in every room of your home to remind us all, Christ didn't come to eradicate human suffering. He came to fill it with his presence. He didn't come to do away with suffering and death. He came to fill them with his presence and to redeem their meaning. They came as intrusions. Suffering and death came as intrusions with sin when Adam sinned. But that's not the final word. They're not the final end. Christ rose from the dead. Death is not the end of the story, but he redeemed the meaning of the suffering and death so that all of our suffering can be offered up in union with Jesus to help redeem the world. For all of those out there who are suffering, your sufferings have meaning. They have purpose. They can be offered in union with Christ for the good of the church. They add to the glory that you will receive in heaven. And they, can be, they make us conform to Christ because when we suffer, we look like Jesus in his suffering. 
and we pray joyfully the Psalms. God has won the victory. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. In verdant pastures, he gives me repose. Beside restful waters, he leads me. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths. He is true to his name. Even though I walk in the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are at my side. You, Lord, are at my side with your rod and your staff. You give me comfort. You have spread a table for me in the sight of my enemies. You have anointed my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and kindness will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord all the, for years to come. Does that mean we're not going to suffer? No. The saints all suffered. Christ suffered. Everyone on the face of this earth suffers. <laughs> the greatest, the, the most, what the richest man on the face of this earth, the richest man on the planet suffers. <laughs> There's nobody who's going to get out of suffering. But what do we do with our suffering? Do we waste it or do we offer it in union with Jesus to help redeem the world? Bishop Sheen used to say, you know, our suffering, it's like a blank check. If we put our name on it, it's not worth much. But if we let Christ sign his name and his precious blood on that check, then it has infinite value. And if our sufferings are united to Jesus Christ on the cross, then they are capable of saving souls. We don't know how God wants to use our suffering, but God has a purpose for our suffering. He doesn't do things without a purpose. There was a young woman named Johnny Erickson, J-O-N-I. Her name's not Joni, it's Johnny. Johnny Erickson Tata now. But Johnny Erickson was slated to be an Olympic diver. In the 1970s, she dived off a raft in the Chesapeake Bay in shallow water and broke her neck. She became a quadriplegic. And it took Johnny five years to accept her suffering. And through reading the letters of St. Paul, she came to understand all of my sufferings can be offered up in union with Christ. That in my own flesh, I can fill up what is lacking in the sufferings of Christ for the sake of his body, the church. And Johnny was not a Roman Catholic. She's a Christian. She's a Christian, but non-Catholic Christian, who came to understand the meaning of human suffering through studying the scriptures that it has meaning. And then her life became meaningful. And she goes around the world, Johnny and friends, you can look her up. They bring wheelchairs to people who otherwise would have no mode of transportation because they're crippled and they're paralyzed or they, they can't get up on the, their own. But these wheelchairs give them mobility. She started an apostolate, as we would say in the Catholic Church, that goes around the world. Her suffering brought great joy to the world. And it will bring her greater joy in heaven. So thank you for joining us on Bible with the Barbers. Thank you for joining us on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Please share this with your family and friends. The only way people hear about us is if you share it. Uh, remember that we have a Bible study. Let people know. Ask them to join us. Thank you to our benefactors, our friends, for um, all of those who pray for us, who suffer for us, and even those who attack us. Because then you, you test the work with the Lord and you... You purify us, and that's good to be purified. God is good. It may hurt, but it's good. So thank you for joining us, and may we all keep the faith and spread it. Let us be faithful and pray daily for grace and final persecution.